on the sides of the building. Well, Merry Christmas. I threw you off, didn't I? I didn't say good morning. I messed with you. And uh, sometimes we do need to be shaken up a little bit, right? Because we can get into the routine, into the ritual, and it just becomes hello, hello. And our heart has been bypassed. And uh, if you ever studied uh, psychology at all, Pavlov's dog, how Pavlov the, had a dog and uh, he conditioned the dog that every time the bell rang, the dog would start salivating to eat some food. And they called that conditioned response. And unfortunately, we have a lot of pathways in our head that don't even go to our heart at all. We just go through ritual. And I'm gonna do something I never do. I'm gonna tell you what the sermon is in 30 seconds. And if you wanna go home, you can. This is risky. The title of the sermon is, Jesus Became What He Created. Jesus became what he created. And I know intellectually, you may have heard this before, but my prayer is that it starts to go to your heart and you comprehend it, you understand it. It starts to move you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we go to your word today, we do pray for our hearts. Uh, intellectually, God, uh, if that is all we are but theological uh, giants, uh, we are so deep thinking and we completely bypass our hearts, God. We are a very wanting people. We become very good at uh, condoning and justifying and rationalizing and, and theologizing things. And uh, uh, God, we want our hearts to be touched. We want, we want to be stirred within our beings. We want our souls uh, really moved and transformed by your spirit. And so God, would you come and do a new work, a fresh work, a, a revival work in each of us. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. Now my most memorable Christmas present, and I, I kinda was thinking through this this week, and uh, one of them would be when I was a child and got a bunch of Tonka toys, uh, and you go, well that's not very incredible, but to my family it was, we didn't have a lot of money. And I don't know all the story behind it, but we just got lots one year. And, uh, but probably the most memorable Christmas present I've ever received was uh, uh, my first year of marriage. Uh, I was living in Sastoon with my wife, and I remember opening up my Christmas present, and it was a guitar. Now, I had been telling my wife for years, I'd love to learn to play guitar. It'd be so nice to have a guitar, and I just could never get there. And uh, uh, I'd actually learned enough that in my first church I led worship twice. Uh, it became very apparent that I shouldn't do it anymore after those few times. Uh, you know, I, I consulted the wise people and they said, keep your preaching job, so I did. And it isn't that I can't sing, because I can sing, but I do have a problem with timing and a few other things like that. Decided that probably just wasn't the best thing. But here's the thing about that present that really, still today, can almost put a tear in my eye. My wife actually sold, she played clarinet, and she traded her clarinet for a guitar. I mean, when I found that out, I just went, really? I mean, I didn't grow up in a family that had music at all much, and uh, she got to be in a band, like the school band, and she played clarinet for a few years, and she'd probably tell you she was awful and hated it anyway, but I, I know for me, it, just, it was just so moving. 
but she was so selfless. She gave up something that she actually was okay at so that I could maybe become okay at something. And I mean, that really, when, when you think about, strip away all the tinsel, the lights, the, the, the dinners, the, the family times, strip everything away, and what is Christmas actually about? What is the route to Christmas? Uh, it's about Jesus in the manger. It, it's about God coming down in human form. Uh, it's about why did he come down? I mean, he lived 33 years and died on a cross a death he didn't deserve. I mean, the Christmas message, that, that good joy, the peace and the love, it is incredible, it is unbelievable, it is God sacrificing. I mean, more than just a clarinet to get a guitar for us, he sacrificed his life, his one and only son, that you and I can have redemption, salvation, transformation, reconciliation. Watching my grandchildren a couple of weeks ago, one of them, uh, uh, I, w I was, my daughter has this habit and her husband, they sing to their kids to help them go to sleep. They pray with them and sing with them. And um, so I thought, well, I better do that. I, I did that when my kids were little too. And they didn't know better, so they thought I could sing. And uh, so I'm, I'm trying to sing and I, I had a bit of a cold. That's my excuse anyway, I'll just leave it there. I couldn't hit a note if my life depended on it. I made the snide comment, I said, and the grandchildren call me Pops, another whole story. Uh, and, and I said, I'm sorry, boys, but Pops is getting old and I guess I just can't sing. Well, be careful what you say to little kids, because ever since, my one grandson keeps telling his mom at bedtime when she sings beautifully to them, Pops is getting old, he just can't sing anymore. So much of the Christmas story is lost in us. It really is. Uh, we hear the odd prophecy fulfilled and, and we get a little bit wowed. But I want you to get really wowed this morning, right into your heart. Uh, ponder this thought. The glory of Christmas is that it is not the beginning of Jesus Christ. The glory of Christmas is not that it's the beginning of Jesus Christ. Yes, there was a baby born in a manger. But Jesus actually already existed. Now, I'm going to cherry pick just a few verses. I want to tell you that this is loaded all over the scriptures. When you look in Genesis chapter 1, one of the things you'll pick up in the theme is you'll, you'll keep hearing this theme, then God said, then God said, let there be light. Then God said, let there be earth. Then God said, and he keeps saying that. You get to verse 26 in Genesis chapter 1. And this little bit of theme that Jesus was there already shows up. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image. You know, it's the only time the plural form shows up in the book of Genesis. The Trinity, friends, was already obvious and there. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit were there at creation. Let us create let us make mankind in our image and in likeness. The prophet Isaiah, when he was prophesying about the, the man Jesus, the, the little baby in the manger in Isaiah 9, sex says, for to us a child is born. Okay, there's the birth. To us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders. Okay, we get that. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, 
Mm-hmm. We've read that. Listen to this one. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Friends, before Jesus was born, he existed. He was in the Trinity. He was God himself. Uh, he really was. John chapter 1 that Rod referred to and that we heard read a little bit last Sunday. John 1.1. 1, 1. Uh, John, like Rod said, is the oldest living of all the disciples. And he got exiled on an island called Patmos for a long time. But John, in his older years, sat down and wrote this beautiful account. And by the way, if you ever want to share Jesus with somebody to help them understand who he is, get them to read the book of John. Uh, It's very simply written, although it's got some incredibly deep thoughts, but it is a very good salvation. Uh, If you didn't know, there's five I am's in there. I am the way, the truth, life. I am the light. I am the door. Uh, All these I am's are in there. And it's a good book to help somebody come to faith in Christ. But listen to John, the apostle, as he writes in memory and now in understanding, because Jesus has died and risen from the dead and appeared to them. And this John writes this, in the beginning was the word. Now, the word in this case, and we read in Matthew, the word is Jesus. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, part of the Trinity. And the word was God. Jesus was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. This sounds like God. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. Now get your head around this. Soak it up. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome of it. The imagery, friends. I mean, you know the Christmas story. You know how we put out lights, how we put out, uh, used to put out candles and windows and all sorts of things. There is darkness in the world. There is something wrong with the world. And Jesus has come to make a correction. The creator and sustainer of life. He, He became a man. This man came to fix a problem. In the once smooth running universe that God had created, uh, the problem he came to fix was a thing that the system was not designed to have. In fact, this broken thing is like a parasite that's destroying creation. And no, it's not us. It's not man that's a parasite. It's sin that has entered into the world. Did you know when Adam and Eve began to sin, that rippled effect right into all of creation? I mean, even the the seasons began to change and destruction happened. Before that, the the earth was a very beautiful, incredible thing. When the flood came, you know that whole story. Uh, Sin has wreaked havoc on us as a creation. It's wreaked havoc on the earth. Sin, friends, is the issue. Uh, A lot of people confuse this whole idea. Well, isn't sin just free will? Isn't sin just the, be able to, the choice to be able to do what you want to do? And, and I would argue with you, no, free will existed before sin. Adam and Eve, they walked the garden, they, they, they tilled the soil, they, they got to choose what to plant, they, they got to name the animals. Free will was before sin, but, but sin, when you, when you look at kind of step back and look at it theologically in a lot of ways, it's, sin is basically saying, I don't need God and I'll live my own life and do my own thing. 
And what's happening is that selfishness and self-centeredness and, and greed, it creeps in. And Just take a look around the world a little bit and see how greed's going. How this government is going. How doing our own thing is going. Uh, it is destructive. It is, it's like a nuclear explosion has gone off. And God looked down on his creation with utter and complete love. And he said, talking amongst himself, like, let us make creation. I can just imagine the conversation. We've got to fix this. And we know from last week that right by Genesis chapter 2, God already started to say to Eve, uh, there's going to be a child from your lineage. It's going to bruise the serpent's head. It's going to take out sin. It's going to get rid of the devil and all the evil. You're still going to have free will, but it's going to be with purity with submission to the Father. Jesus lived and died to correct our sinful will and to repair our souls. Did you know that? Jesus died to correct our sinful will and repair our souls. Uh, you might ask me, why is sin still running rampant in the world? Without a long, huge explanation, I'll say, because God's not done redeeming the world yet. So death... People being mean to you, people being sinful towards you, uh, possibly you getting sick and dying. We're all going to die. Uh, God is in the process of redeeming the world. We know from Scripture he's holding back his wrath so that every tribe and nation can hear about Jesus and receive that beautiful free gift. God is not done redeeming yet. So I want you this morning, as we walk through some more of the scripture, hold the thought of Jesus being before creation and consider that he is light in the darkness. He's making sense of what just seems to be off track here. Uh, the text goes on to describe another prophecy fulfilled and it describes this guy named John. And, and John in this text is John the Baptist. Verse 6 goes on to say, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. This is the heart of God. He wants everybody to believe. But understand, as we go through the text, God is a gentleman and he will not force everybody to believe. And you go, well, can't God do No, God respects your free will. And he will let you choose. You can either receive the gift of redemption, your soul healed, your, your mind changed, or you can just go into doing whatever you want to do on your own way. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. On a few occasions, I've been able to introduce some pretty famous people up on the stage, whether it's been a band or a speaker. And honestly, I come out from the side corner there and everybody seems so disappointed just to see me. And I know right then I better not talk too much because there's somebody greater coming than I am. But honestly, I have to introduce those people because they deserve that kind of honor. John came to introduce, to, to make the path straight for Jesus. He came to say, there's a Savior coming. There is light coming. Uh, that ripple effect in the world, that, that sin that has tainted so much stuff, it, it's going to be starting to be pushed back. One by one, people are going to be saved. Nations are going to be changed. The world is going to be redeemed. The text keeps going, and I just love that. And it returns to the light theme after talking about John the Baptist. And verse 9 says, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. 
Uh, you might not be aware of it, but if we were to turn off every light in this room, now it would take us too long or I'd give you an example. But if we were to turn off every single light, this is a really, really dark room. There's no windows. And there's a little bit of light that creeps under the doors there. You know, it is so dark in here. Sometimes I like to take a shortcut to the back. Don't tell the worship guys. They hate it when people do that. But sometimes if I want to take a shortcut, I come in. Even with my little light from my phone, I almost run into the pews. It is so dark. And, and by the way, I know the layout of this room. I've seen in the light. But did you know that we have almost in our world made darkness normal? I, I hear it in the media almost every day, whether this, that, or the other thing. I mean, the government has just come to accept that. I, I was reading a documentary, watching it on CBC TV, of this uh, home in Ontario where they've just said people with alcoholism will never overcome it. They'll never stop. And so they have this home where they actually give them little bits of alcohol all day long. They, they call it controlling it so that they can still function, have high functioning and not be ruining their lives, so to speak. And the one guy in the interview is, oh, I love going to breakfast because they give me an extra shot of alcohol. And I go, oh, that's so sad. That's so sad when we say, and believe you me, I know how hard it is to overcome drugs and alcohol. It's really difficult, but God has come into the world. And he's changing hearts and he's changing minds and he's transforming individuals and he's healing broken hearts and he's setting the captives free. And it has been unbelievable when you look at the history of it all. We are in darkness in this world and all we know is that there is somewhere and something better to be. Uh, Jesus came to fulfill prophecy. He came to take away your sins. He came to heal you. He came to cleanse you and give you direction. He reveals what's in the darkness. The text just keeps getting better. In verse 10, we, we start to see that this light that's come into this world, this, this joy and peace and healing that God desires for everybody, it's not automatic. God is a gentleman, as I said. Verse 10 says, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Oh, here's my favorite verse in the whole Bible. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, listen to this, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor human decision or husband's will, but born of God. Now that John 1.12 passage, I have a little story to go along with it. My wife's dad grew up in a, uh, well his name is Peter Harder, so he grew up in a sect of Mennonitism. And uh, the Mennonite group he grew up in, I don't want to disparage them, but uh, they really... Uh, <laughs> I don't think they ever really understood grace or salvation or the free gift or, or you just have to receive it. Uh, what he grew up in since he was a little boy, he was always told, you can never be sure. You gotta do enough good works to outweigh the bad works. I mean, really, in essence, what he grew up in was what we call a works doctrine, that he had to work out his salvation, that he, in fact, that was a favorite verse that they loved to quote, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. They didn't bother keep reading the verse because it's God who works in you. But they struck such a fear in my father-in-law. So my father-in-law is in Saskatoon. He's in his early 20s. He'd already started to be around some evangelical service, saw some crusades. 
he ends up with a crusade and he, he goes to the front and it's actually a guy by the name of Pastor Skitch. Now, you may or may not know him. He was kind of a big deal in the alliance back then. Uh, I don't know, I think it was 1940s. And uh, my father-in-law goes up to the front and he asked doc, the Pastor Skitch, he said, what must I do to be saved? And by the way, we're going to get that in chapter 3 in a moment, but Pastor Skitch says to him, open your Bible to John chapter 1, and my father was like, oh, where's that? And so the guy brings a Bible out, and he said, I want you to read verse 12. So my father-in-law reads verse 12, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And my father-in-law says, okay, so how do I do that? And Skitch almost intuitively goes, what are you meaning by that? Well, he said, do I have to go give all my money to the poor? Do I have to change my life around and never do evil again? How do I balance the scales out? How can I know that I'm saved? What can I do? And Skitch says, read it again. And my father read it again, and he said, well, what do I need to do, though? And Pastor Skitch says, you're not listening to the text. Listen to the text reads it again, and my father goes, he, he said, I just got so angry, I started to shout at him and say, what do I got to do? Just tell me what I got to do. Read it again. And my father-in-law says, all of a sudden, after reading it about 20 times, this went on for, I believe, for hours, and after reading it again, he said, all of a sudden, the lights went on, and he looks at Skitch and says, you mean all I got to do is receive it? All I got to do is believe? I, I don't have to do anything? And you might go, well, isn't receiving and believing kind of like I've done something? Uh, no, think of it this way. If I was to give you a beautiful Christmas present wrapped up with a bow, I spent like a month's wages on it, and I hand it out to you, it can be yours if you just take it. I'm not going to force you, though. But imagine that you do take it and you go, oh man, I worked really hard. I reached out my hands and I took that and so I have worked hard for this gift. This is my gift. You've had nothing. That's nonsense. God has a gift of salvation. He wants to heal your soul. He wants to reconcile you to the Father. And if you think you need to work for it, you've got it all wrong. This text, of course, is setting up for John chapter 3 where Nicodemus meets Jesus Nicodemus, doesn't matter who he was, but he asks Jesus, what must I do to be saved? And if you've read John 3 lately, Jesus answers, you must be born again. And Nicodemus goes, you mean I've got to go back into my mother's womb? And I can almost hear Jesus snort or laugh a little bit. And he says, no, you've got to be born again spiritually. And then, of course, we get to John Chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. You see, somewhere, someplace, that switch in your heart needs to go from unbelief to sin and selfishness. And it, it needs to turn around and say, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I believe in you, Jesus. You died on the cross so that I could have life and have it to the full. And then you get to verse 18 of chapter 3. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Okay, I love that. I talked to somebody after first service about that. But listen to this. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. You see, God's a gentleman. He's not going to force this on you. 
But I will tell you that if you're having this sense, like, I believe, I believe, I can tell you, God is drawing you. And if God is drawing you, oh, please, I ask you, I beg you, just receive it. Receive the gift God has for you. Uh, friends, Jesus was before his birth. He is light, and if you believe in him, you will be saved. Oh, this keeps getting better. In verse 14, we, we start to see that Jesus became what he created. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 15 says, John testified concerning him, he cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, who, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Oh, there's so much theology in that. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. And if you didn't know, the law was given, as the book of Hebrews says, so that we would know that we are sinners. It says, the law, before the law came, we were already sinners, but when law was given, when a bunch of rules were written down, our, our, our trespasses even increased more. It became really clear we weren't measuring up. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Friends, Jesus came to the earth to show the way. Last week we walked through the book of Philippians where we understood that Jesus lowered himself. Uh, he had the high and lofty position as creator and sustainer of the universe and he lowered himself and became a man in that beautiful cradle, the beautiful manger. Today we see again that Jesus was God, but he became man. There is so much theology and intent behind Jesus being fully God and fully man. Listen to Hebrews chapter 4, how it describes who Jesus is. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. Are you aware that Jesus was not born of a, of a high lofty birth? He, he was born of a blue collar worker, a carpenter. In fact, Jesus was taught the trade, and Jesus himself worked with his hands. The text goes on, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. Just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace, God's riches at Christ's expense with confidence so that we may, with confidence, you can know you're saved, friends. If you believe, if you feel Jesus drawing you, you can have assurance that he saved you. So approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Friends, Jesus, God himself has become a man. Jesus knows exactly what you experience. He was not born into privilege or money. His dad was a blue-collar worker. Jesus need to be fully man to be our substitutionary death, and I won't use any more big theology words. Desiring God is a wonderful website if you ever search something and see that. Read it, it's always good. Uh, they write about Jesus and what he became this way. On its own, 
Becoming wouldn't necessitate pre-existence. The key to ask what he was, the key is to ask what he was before he became. He was divinely rich and became humanly poor. He was in the form of God, then took the form of a servant. One who was infinitely high because he was God, became a little lower than the angels because he became a man. His becoming was not a ceasing to be what he had been previously, but a taking on of human flesh and blood. The fully divine son added full humanity to his person. So let me ask you this morning, do you know him? I want you to soak in the incredibleness of this gift of salvation that Jesus has for you. God lowered himself. God lowered himself to save you. Do you know him? Do you know him? And again, if you feel Jesus calling you, please receive him. It's a gift. He's reaching it out to you. And in conclusion, three statements. Have you received the light? Have you received the light? Do you need some purpose and direction in your life? Did you know you've been reconciled to God through Jesus and that God speaks to you? Did you know that God wants to talk to you and lead you and guide you? He wants to read his word and, and suddenly all the things around you will make sense. And number three, are things dark and confusing for you and you wish you had light? Are things dark and confusing for you and you wished you had light? Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, I know you're a gentleman, God, and you've given us free will. And sin and doing sin is not uh, a proof. I mean, it is a, 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 an outcome of our free will. But we can actually have free will and free choice without sinning. Sinning has caused us to be self-centered, selfish, insecure, <laughs> broken, damaged, soul wounds. And you, Jesus Christ, are the light, and you've come into the world as a man, living amongst us, never sinning, dying a death you didn't deserve so that we could have life and have it to the full. You have given us this beautiful gift of salvation. If there's somebody here that feels that, that drawing, that pulling in their heart, they, they say to themselves, and they, their being is crying out, I believe, I believe in Jesus. May they be able to say, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. May they receive you here this morning. And for the rest of us who are long in the tooth and the faith, for the rest of us who have heard the Christmas story over and over, for the rest of us who could probably from memory say a lot of these verses, God, would you move into our hearts this morning? And sometimes Christmas is so painful because we have not allowed it to be what it's supposed to be. It's about you, God in the flesh. It's about your birthday, your human birthday, Jesus. And so, God, would you just let our hearts, our, our, our former hearts of stone replaced with the heart of flesh, would, would you let our heart of flesh just be moved <laughs> with more than just a tear in the corner, corner of our eye, but would you let us be overwhelmed with how much, Father, you loved us for God, you so loved the world that you sent your one and only Son 
that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. In Jesus Christ's name I pray.